This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. I'm Robbie Greenfield and alongside me is Chris McCarty and Sona Rapani. Working our way through the years, we'll highlight world events, cultural achievements and the stories that have been forgotten. 1996. I was 15. How old were you? So I was 11. 11 and Chris was I 10. would have been 9. 9. 10 that year. 9 yeah. or 10. So far, 1994 is the top performing year of the decade. It sets a seemingly unbeatable score of 9.6. But let's see if 1996 can give it a run for its money. And we'll start with a look at some of the the big international news stories from the year. I think, Rob, you're heading to my homeland for story I number am. one. Yeah, along came Dolly. The, f- <laughs> the world's first cloned sheep was named after singer Dolly Parton. This was in 1996? Yeah. I definitely would have guessed that this was in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was 1996. Born at the Roslyn Institute in Chris's homeland, Scotland, Dolly was the first mammal to be cloned from an adult cell taken from a mammary gland of another sheep. She had six lambs, and um, she lived for six and a half years. Is that a long time for sheep? I'm not sure what the, the life expectancy of your Don't average you sheep worry. is. I will Google that. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was the first mammal, as I say, to be cloned from that adult cell. Her birth proved that specialised cells could be used Ooh. to create an exact copy of the animal they came from, and this knowledge changed what scientists thought was possible and opened up a lot of possibilities in biology and medicine, including... Sone will be excited by this. The development of personalised stem cells known as IPS cells. I have Fascinating. Googled it. Five yeah. and a half years is not long. <laughs> not for very good. Really. Okay. They do normally live between 10 and 12. They're Ooh. a little like dogs in that room. It is. I respect. mean, Dolly is the only known cloned animal that you can think of. I know they've cloned animals since, but it hasn't really made waves in the same way as Dolly did, right? No, no Dolly was an absolute hero. A trailblazer. Absolutely. Mm. This is a great story because it was also the year that a 2,500-year-old conflict <laughs> was officially ended. Sparta and Athens signed a peace pact officially ending the Peloponnesian War. This is a great backstory as well. Basically, it was done just to create two, a bit of PR for two blokes. Um, <laughs> because after the election the year before, the mayor of Athens was Dimitris Avramopoulos. So he was 43 years old. He was the youngest mayor in the history of the city. He was an up-and-coming member of New Democracy. Sounds like a band. And was known for his witty and sort of pretentious style, if you like. The, the mayor of Sparta was, I'll get this right, Demosthenes Metallas. Mm. Okay? He was a very prominent politician. He had a lot of political experience. He'd been serving as mayor of his city since 1987. And the two mayors got together... And they thought that they would have a a sort of proper ending to the Peloponnesian War, which technically ended in 404 (laughs) BC. (laughs) And they came up with a brilliant statement. And again, this was basically to make them both look good. Um, But uh, they said, today, 10th of March 1996, in the capital city of Lysidamon, the mayor of Athens and the mayor of Sparta expressed their deepest sorrow over the sanguinary conflict between these two greatest ancient Greek cities and declare a posteriori the end of an equal terms of that destructive war of the Athenians and the Peloponnesians and wow. the establishment of unbreakable bonds of friendship and collaboration between the cities on the moral foundation of their ancient <laughs> right. historical Punctuation greatness. Punctuation, please, here. That is the longest single <laughs> sentence... Known to man. 
I mean, Gerard Butler hadn't even auditioned for his role yet at this <laughs> I point. I don't think Brad Pitt had got the bulging <laughs> muscles either, you know? Um, the conflict originally lasted 31 years. It broke out in 400 and, hang on a minute, it finished in 404 BC, so it must have broken out in 435 BC. And it took them till 1996 to finally resolve it. I mean, this was probably just for a laugh, right? And it, I, get, uh, I can get behind it. It's fun. There was a PR company over yeah. in Greece rubbing their hands with glee over that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, That's yeah. just them inking themselves into the history I books know. as those that officially uh, ended talk about the Peloponnesian War. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half thousand years later. Um, right. Uh, Ethernet inventor Robert Metcalf predicted that the internet would collapse in oh, 1996 brilliant. and he promised to eat his words if not. And when it didn't, he took a printed copy of his column that predicted the collapse, put it in a blender with some liquid and then consumed <laughs> the pulpy mass. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, meanwhile a man broke into a New Zealand radio station held the manager hostage and his demand was for the station to play Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog <laughs> so we thought 25 years on um, we don't need a break in to honour his request someday we'll find it <laughs> the Rainbow Connection the lovers the dreamers and me so there you have it, a little bit of a rainbow connection by a Kermit man the Frog. He risked jail time to do that. He probably got jail time. Yeah, he probably did. It's um, no laughing matter. The first person to stream their life on the internet was a nineteen year old woman, Jennifer Ringley. Uh, on the Jenny Cam, <laughs> broadcasted her life from her college dorm. At its peak, she got 7 million hits wow. per day, which was actually a significant chunk of the internet at the time. I mean, that's somebody we got to track down. Yeah, very much so. on this show. Massively. And then you can blame her, Rob, for starting this influencer live stream trend that Completely. you, that you she despise. She needs to carry the can. Massively. Yeah. Jennifer's got, you know... She's got a lot of explaining lot, yeah, to do. She, does, she certainly <laughs> does. Uh, George R. R. Martin published A Game of Thrones this year. Thrones. Oh. Thrones, hey, I should thrones. say. <laughs> <laughs> a Game of Thrones. Yeah. In 1996, Marvel Comics filed for bankruptcy. Um, they were actually bailed out when they were merged the following year with a company called Toy Biz. But they were basically, with the collapse of the comic book industry, mm. they were looking at financial ruin and bankruptcy. Last year... Disney bought Marvel for $4 billion. Oh, wow. Into the movies of 1996. It was a big year for an off-script staple, a certain Mr. Tom Cruise. Not that we've ever interviewed him, but he cropped up on this show an awful lot. And after all his hits in the 80s, he had Top Gun, he had Days of Thunder, oh. Cocktail as well. He was back in fine form, first with this. Hey, I got Bob Sugar on the other line, I'm going to hear you say it. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 show you the money. Show me the money! Show me the money! Yeah! Louder! Show me the money! That's it, brother! What you got to yell! Show me the money! I need to feel you, Jerry! Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! That's maybe one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies. It's great. James McGuire is so good. Um, there were quite a few catchphrases that came out of that film. You had me at hello. Oh, you yeah. complete me. Yes. And of course. Show me the money. It actually had a budget of $50 million. It grossed $273 million worldwide. And 25 years later, it ranks as number five on the list of blockbuster romantic dramas. Just behind 50 Shades of Grey. Now, can you guess which the number one blockbuster romantic drama category is? What, of all time? Yeah. Come on, guys, it's pretty obvious. Is it? 
Or um, Titanic. Yes, yeah, correct. Um, it's hard to believe as well that it's been 25 years since the first instalment of this. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is this serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. Now that is, of course, the first instalment of Mission Impossible. And during the month of December, I was laid low with COVID. I actually watched all the movies oh my God, in did. one day. John Voight, father of Angelina Jolie, is in that first movie. And I forgot how good it is. The first one is brilliant. Oh, is it good? The it's first so one. so good. Just even watching that as an, as an 11-year-old oh, in 1996, that was just, there was nothing else like it. And to be fair, it's right? endured. And I still enjoy them. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. It, it was Tom Cruise's idea, actually. To make it, it was. It used to be a TV, TV show, show yeah. between 1966 and 73, and Cruz was a fan of the original show, and it was his idea to adapt it to the big big screen. The TV actors who appeared in it were not happy at really? the time. Apparently, mm. they had a lot of objections to it, but he went ahead anyway. It was Tom Cruise, for goodness' sake! Yeah. And it was groundbreaking because Apple paid 15 million dollars to have their own personal computers in the first movie. Oh, wow! Uh, the company claimed that that agreement <laughs> was the first partnership between a studio and a major high-tech firm to promote a movie. Interesting. But a product placement in all of that. Oh, it's great. They'll, all of them. I mean, they're just. And the fact that he still stars in them and he yeah. still looks a million per se, that's fair play to Tom. <laughs> now, this was the highest grossing film of the year. Take a listen. A historic and unprecedented event is occurring. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. Four ships have just arrived off India, England and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! using our own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. That kicked off a golden period in Will Smith's career, that being Independence Day, of course. It would actually see him star in at least one major film every year for a 12-year period straight through 1996 all the way through oh, to 2008. Well, looking forward to 1998 because it was Enemy of the State ah. in 98, and that is a movie. Um, it was a good year for disaster films because this Midwest drama was one of the top-rated pictures of the year, and it follows on nicely from our interview with Mike uh, last hour. Joe! Bill! It's coming! It's headed right for us! It's already here. Everybody underground now! It was co-written by Michael Crichton, was Twister. It was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Was it really? And it was helmed by the director of Speed. Oof. And, um... I don't know. I watched it. I don't think it's aged all that well. I watched it quite recently. Yeah. It, it cropped up on Netflix. It's um, got the magnificent Hilton Hunt, though. Yes. It does. Now, Wakita in Oklahoma, which has a population of 344 people, really cashed in on the popularity of Twister because it was chosen due to the fact that there'd been a 1993 hailstorm <laughs> that produced quite a lot of debris. So it was quite a good sort of, it had the set already made. There was a lot of debris lying around. It was one of those remote Midwestern villages. And most of the residents were paid $100 per day to be signed up as extras in the film. It's now home to Twister the Movie Museum. <laughs> um, there's a five-block walking tour 
which is an awful lot for America. Yeah. Um, and there's a Dorothy One prop and a Twister pinball machine. Oh, nice. I enjoy Twister. Would I go to the Twister Museum specifically no. for the movie? Hmm? No. I'm not going to travel all the way to the US. To if you happen to be passing Rakita. through, come on. If you're passing through Oklahoma, yeah. Now, this one, I've actually watched this. This is a bit of a, a sleeper, in my opinion. But this was the top-rated film on IMDb of the year. It beat the likes of The Rock, Primal oh, Fear, Primal and Train Spotting, and it was this. Two of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called the punch. I want to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers. Let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. Love the From cinema dusk guy. till dawn. Yeah. Can't uh, even place that. Have you seen it, Chris? I've seen it, yeah. Are you a the, fan? The, uh, very much so. The great scene in the bar, mm. the tavern. It's yeah. an amazing scene, I think. It's one of Quentin. Not his. Uh, he stars in it. it. He stars in it with he, George Clooney. He's in it, but I'm pretty sure, if memory serves, he doesn't count it as one of his movies. I could be wrong on that. No. Well, he stars in it. Co-producer. And, um, it's his screenplay. Yeah. That's he got, it. In fact, he got the best original screenplay Oscar for it, um, even though a couple of years prior to that, he'd obviously directed Pulp Fiction. Um from Dusk Till Dawn is what we're talking about here. And uh, it was also um, featuring Harvey Keitel, who crops up in a lot of Quentin Tarantino films as well. Randomly, mm. George Clooney mm. as one of the vigilantes yeah, on the George, run. George, yes. I actually forget he's in it. Uh, other big films of the year, I did mention um, Primal Fear, Primal Train Spotting, Fear. and Scream, of course. And The Rock is incredible. Nicolas Cage, that's oh, one yes. of the good movies that he did do. Uh, but Primal Fear is one of those sleeper hits. If you haven't seen Primal Fear, it stars uh, Robbie Greenfield's very own Richard Gere, as well as Ed Norton. And the twist in the movie, one of the top three twists okay. in film history. As our resident film buff, Chris, how would you rank 1996? 96, a heck of a year, to be honest. Like, I mean, we, we're off to a flying start with 1996. I mean, Twister, I can give or take it. You've not even mentioned Scream was part of 1996's kind of Independence Day, massive blockbuster. Mission Impossible has set off a chain reaction of good movies and then Jerry Maguire. So all in all, 96 is strong. Okay, let's get into music because 1996 was the year that rave culture went mainstream. And this was one of the biggest hits of the year. I can't believe, Chris, that this song is 25 years old. This tune. to this at the age yes, of nine absolutely <laughs> i did this is a thursday banger is what this is rob this at about 10 to 6 on your drive home oh i can just picture it now cracking tune it's children by robert miles and it's a slower track to conclude a night set he wrote it to calm ravers prior to their drive home <laughs> which is a weird concept i can't imagine ravers driving home after a good rave but that's what they did apparently yeah and there were a lot of accidents um so uh, he wrote it to sort of calm them down, just so that they wouldn't it's very drive as aggressively. responsible of him. Yeah, very good from him. Yeah. 
Um, that song has aged well. It's 25 song, years later, it still sounds yeah. good. Start of the weekend. You could just ease yourself into yeah. the weekend equally. You could also play it on a Saturday night, just at the other Wind end down. of the weekend. Yeah. Great tune. It was the biggest European single of Doesn't that year. Me. And speaking of epic rave anthems, the next track was a chart topper in the early part of the year. So when it's black, this insomniac, take an original tack, keep the beast in my nature under ceaseless attack. I get no sleep. I can't get no sleep. You're taking this station, Robbie Greenfield. One hundred three point eight. And right. this song, this is one AM in nightclubs oh. up and down the land. Is this song now? According to Sister Bliss, who was Faithless's keyboardist, Faithless keyboardist, uh, the group wrote Insomnia in a garden shed, wow. since that was where their producer Rollo Armstrong had his studio. They'd been DJing all night and they'd been in the shed all day and they said they had permanent jet lag and none of them could sleep, so they came up with the title Insomnia. Faithless record label actually was run on a shoestring, but by a stroke of good luck, that record was released the same day as Spice Girls' Say You'll Be There and far from damaging its chances, it helped the single because it was racked next to the Spice Girls record in the shops and Insomnia went in at number three and the next time, next thing you knew, knew that Faithless were performing with the Spice Girls on top of the pops. Brilliant. What a tune um, that is. Just one uh, last song from the rave scene. This track was taken from the movie Train Spotting. most unintelligible lyrics of yeah. any song I think it's fair to say There's and Born there. Slippy by Underworld um, Born Slippy being the name of a greyhound that the band used to watch run at Romford Racetrack <laughs> is that right it featured in Danny Boyle's film Train Spotting, and that obviously stoked immense public interest in the song it peaked at number two in the UK singles chart Mm. Loving um, DJ Bobby G today. Yeah, well, that I'm trying has to really take me back. Up the energy. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't just dance music that enjoyed a banner year. In hip hop, arguably the greatest hip hop artist of all released his magnum opus in February, and it was entitled "All Eyes on Me." Seven months later, he was fatally wounded in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas, shortly after a boxing bout between Mike Tyson and Bruce Sheldon. I looked this up, by the way. They never really did find for sure who killed Tupac. No, of course they didn't. Obviously, you've got Shug Knight. He's still in prison for a, a separate incident. He's long been seen as at least being involved in the assassination, which it was, of Tupac, but... Of course, nothing has been proved on that. And, yeah, I mean, that is... 
That is quite tragic. He was 25. He was 25 years old. And that album, All Eyes on Me, is a a hip-hop masterpiece. That is certainly one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Uh, Meanwhile, the Fugees released their first album in 1993, but this was the year they achieved global recognition with the release of their album, The Score, and it featured this track as their first single. You a fan of that song? I love it. Lauren Hill love was still taking classes at Columbia University when wow. they released this. Um, she and her bandmates appeared at a New York record store to sign copies of the single. And she was shocked and taken aback to see a line around the block. Fuji's. Uh, Wycliffe Jean was part of the Fuji's. Wycliffe yep. Jean as well. That album became one of the most successful of the decade. It was a hip-hop landmark. The group toured the world and earned widespread acclaim, including a Grammy mm. for Best Rap Album with that particular effort. Um, let's move on to pop music, if we can. And uh, this, we've already played one of their tracks... This one was the breakout for the biggest band, no doubt, of the entire year. Oh, Ginger's place. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've got a bit of a fun fact for you about the Spice Girls. Neither the Spice Girls themselves nor their management company came up with the aliases Scary, Sporty, Baby, Ginger and Posh. The fans came up with them? No, it was devised by Top of the Pops magazine Ah. and the group adopted it. I wonder whether whoever that writer was, I wonder whether they got any royalties for that. Probably not, but that person will always be able to brag about the fact that he or she named the Spice And everyone will just look at them going, no, nah, you didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that no one would ever believe, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wannabe was released in July. It blew past even the loftiest of expectations. It was number one on the 27th of July. It stayed there for seven weeks. Global domination came next. It was number one in the US the following February. It topped the charts in at least 10 other countries, including Australia, Canada, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden and Switzerland. Domination. Unbelievable, right? Yeah, I think when you think of the Spice Girls too, even though it was manufactured girl group to some extent, it didn't feel that way in the way it does when you see it today. Mm. You know? They seem like they were just kind of thrown together, a bunch of mates. They wrote the song, what, in like 10 minutes, I think they've said. Oh, and even the, something like that. It was really quick. And I think even the video, it just feels like somebody yeah, was sorry. like, hey, let's here's a room. Let's go. Fair to say Mel C was the brains of the operation, correct? She was the yeah songwriter, I believe, for for the most part. And then... Yeah, the rest of them just cobbled together and they created the super band or the super group that they became. I mean, the Spice Girls were for a spell. Wow. They really were. Massive. They really were. Now, this song, I know Chris is going to enjoy this one. This was the biggest selling single in the UK in this was year. It? it became EMI's fastest selling single since the Beatles' She Loves You, selling 418,000 copies in its first six days after release, thanks to its use in a Levi's Jeans advertisement.
That's one for the UK. Yeah, great yeah I don't topic. think I've even ever heard that before. It's What's that so random. Talk about a one-hit wonder as well. Yeah. Babylon Zoo. Um, the song is about a visiting alien being true to himself and not falling for peer pressure, apparently. <laughs> Is that the message? <laughs> oh dear! Not and finally, to human norms. Yeah, right. This is the link. It's a it's a nice little link into sport. This particular one because the lightning seeds. Frank Skinner and David Baddiel, who were the hosts of the very popular show. I mean, if you watched it now, fantasy football, it would be a real blast from the past. But I remember watching it. it had Stato. Yeah, it was brilliant. They were tasked with penning England's summer football anthem, and they produced this absolute gem. Everyone seems to know the score They've seen it all before They just know they're so sure That England's gonna throw it away Gonna blow it away But I know they can play Cause I remember Oh, my God. What a summer. What a summer, Thank Chris. God. <laughs> For Germany. That's all I'm going to say. You've got to admit, it was a great song. It was a great song. And it was a summer. It was oh, a summer that football came home. It really was. It was a golden summer, 1996. I remember the matches and just, oh, the excitement in the country. Um, Ian Brody, or Browdy, I think it is, the songwriter, lead vocalist of the Lightning Seeds, he was unsure about whether to go ahead and actually do this when they were approached uh, because he said, I'd never bought a football single. I didn't want to do one of those cheerleading records. He said, being a fan is about losing, fundamentally, and if we did it, I wanted to write it from a fan's point of view. He says the song's actually passed into folklore. Every time there's a big match, you can guarantee yeah. that some newspaper will be quoting from the song in their headlines. Yeah, you're not wrong. Lots of sport to get through, so let's get cracking. And it was, of course, an Olympic year. Atlanta was the host city for the Olympics. And it was really all about one man, Chris, wearing a pair of gold shoes. Johnson running a brilliant bend. So it's Fredericks. Bolden third into the straight march out of it. Fredericks and Johnson. Johnson clearly in front of Fredericks and Bolden. He's home, Michael. Look at this. He's streaking away. Magnificent running. Look at the time. Unbelievable. The best I've ever seen. I cannot believe he beat Frankie Fredericks by that far. 19.32. He's broken the world record. Incredible. He lowered the existing world mark by 0.34 of a second, about two decades worth of progress. Yeah, it was. That was the 200-metre sprint there, Michael. Johnson became the first man to win the 400 and 200-metre double, and he did so wearing the heaviest gold chain that you would think yeah. would have slowed him down. I know, I know. What's that about? And he could have shaved sh another couple of... Yeah, he could have. The straight back, and it was. That 200-metre run from uh, Michael Johnson was... Unbelievable. It was right up there as the best until, of course, we saw Usain not in 08. It was what he did in the World Championships in 09 in yeah. Berlin. That bend is the greatest bend ever run where you have Michael Johnson himself, who was in the BBC uh, commentary booth, uh, and just his face. They had a camera trained on him when it was, I think, 19.19 as Usain Bolt continues to be the world record. And it was just Michael Johnson's face like, wow, someone has run it in 19. Yeah. Point nineteen, Just incredible. Amazing. Uh, Donovan Bailey, Canada's Donovan Bailey, won the 100-metre men's sprint in 9.84. Gail Devers won the women's 100 metres with a time of 10.94 seconds. It was also another World Cup in cricket, the sixth edition of the tournament, hosted by Pakistan and India, and won for the first time... 
by this team. That's it, all the way to the boundary for four. What a victory for the Sri Lankans. A fantastic effort by them. Their players are charging out onto the ground. The Aussies shaking them by the hand. Little Murali Dhiran's arrived. What a year it's been for him. Yeah. Murilithran, Arjuna yeah. Ranatunga, Aravinda de Silva, Sanath Jayasaraya. Oh, what a great team they had. An unbelievable team. They beat England in the quarters, the infamous match against India in the semi-finals, and then to beat an Australian side jam-packed with the quality that they had. An incredible story for the island nation and for them to do it in the manner that they did. They won their five group games, if you if you remember, and they were jam-packed full of just incredible players. And Aravinda de Silva, 107 not out in that final. He also snared three wickets for 42. An incredible performance and an amazing story for Sri Lanka. Football came home. We've already mentioned it for England fans, at least. Euro 96, it was an amazing tournament. I've clipped up one of the most memorable oh, goals as well. Yeah. Uh, scored by Czech Republic's Karol Poborsky, a lob over Vita Bayer. Oh, Poborsky, it's opened up for him and he's lifted it over the goalkeeper. It's a magnificent finish. And the Czech Republic have produced a goal worthy of the quarter-final. You know, Got him a move to Man United, it that. did, three and a half million that summer. And it's amazing that because I always think Euro 96 was the last football tournament where you could still be Discover. amazed. By, yeah, Karol Poborski. Yeah. You weren't aware of him. He scores this ridiculous lob and you're, oh my goodness, who's he? Whereas now we know all the players on the world stage. Uh, there's one or two that slipped <sighs> through the net. Oh, there's not many. You'll have to forgive the backing track on this one, but Germany did beat England in heartbreaking fashion in the semi-finals. I cried. And then they would go on to beat the Czech Republic. 2-1 in the final. Yeah. It was uh, the first golden goal, Oliver Bierhoff, who had stepped off the bench to equalise. That was after Patrick Berger had actually put, you forget this, Czech Republic ahead. Bierhoff then equalised, and then 95th minute, this happened. Bierhoff. Set it up initially for somebody else. Then he had the shot. The goalkeeper can't keep it out, and Germany have won it. The golden goal. Game over. Sounded like it was an English sound engineer <laughs> on that. In English football, you'll be pleased to know, Chris, that Man United did complete that epic league and FA Cup double. The 1-0 victory over Liverpool. Eric Cantona's goal through the crowd of bodies. I remember that well. And long-time league leaders Newcastle suffered a dramatic capitulation in the league. Their demise has been encapsulated by this very famous meltdown <laughs> from Kevin Keegan. When you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds... And when you do things like that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I'm, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you, you can tell him now, be watching it, we're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> Of course, they didn't beat them. That was no, the problem. Uh, this has just made so much sense to me. You know how many times I've heard Chris say, I would love, love it. it. I would love <laughs> it. Now I get it. Them. Love it. And they didn't. Man United went to He's been saying it all that time. You're just like, he's quite peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> it's Chris. You get used Chris to it. Chris is quite odd. Why does yeah. he keep saying, I would love, love it, it, in a weird accent? <laughs> now you know so no. Oh, dear. Um, the 1996 Masters, I, it stands out in my memory. Um, the, the big comeback, uh, Nick Fowler winning his third green jacket. The capitulation of Greg Norman shooting a 77, 78 even on the final day. Faldo, his 67. 
saw an 11 shot Away swing he came shot. from six shots back and that was really what made me fall in love with the masters i'd seen some earlier tournaments but that was the one where i really just the, the, the lure and the magic of augusta for me came home and i dug this up as well tiger woods he turned professional in 1996 and in the last five regular tournaments of the year on the pga tour tiger had just turned pro his finishes this is remarkable tied fifth tied third first third First, it placed him among the tour's top 30 money, money winners for the year, thereby qualifying him for the end of season tour championship. He was named PGA Tour Rookie of the Year and so was birthed one of the greatest golfers, if yeah. not the greatest golfer of all time. There you go. And I think next year was a pretty big year for him as well. So, I know you were impressed with the year. I was. I would say insomnia really boosted it by <laughs> a half point or even I love a full how point. just one thing just yeah. completely changes Sometimes the score. Sometimes it does, though. Insomnia was worth it. It was worth an extra point. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. An eight and a half. I liked it a lot, but for some reason wasn't super inspired by it. Okay. Um, Sanjay has upgraded a couple of times. He's popped it up to an 8.5 as well. You were eight, you were eight and a half. I'm an eight and a half. Eight and a half. Sanjay, eight and a half. Fad is nine. I'm also a nine. I, right. I loved it. I mean, Euro 96 alone, mm. just the memories of that. And again, it's all appealing to, to our sort of favorite childhood memories. Exactly. 1996, Euro 96 was just an amazing three or four weeks. And I would love it if 1996 came out on top. I, I, again, 94, I think I gave a 10. I think I gave 95 a 10. 96 or 10 as well. I know I've peaked far too soon. is just giving out 10s like that. confetti now. What I would say there, no doubt in my mind, 96 from a sporting standpoint, and we didn't even mention Richard Krajcik. We've not even mentioned yeah. the Chicago Bulls doing what they did, 4-2 over the Seattle C- uh, uh, Sonics. It was as well, what, a 72-10 and 10 season, which was a record at the time until Golden State Warriors came around. So, I mean, from a sporting standpoint, right up there, probably the best sporting year to date thus far. I would agree with that. Off Scripts Time Capsule. Rating and ranking the years that have shaped us. Thank you for listening to the Time Capsule. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do, if you've got a moment, give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.